Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning as we read the Word of God. Amen? I'm reading from Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. Can these bones live? But actually, I was thinking as I prepared the message today, you know, the title that really came to me throughout the preparation of this message was don't, don't give up, get up. Don't give up, we got to get up. We can't give up, we got to get up, amen? It's time to get up. It's time to get up and see what the Lord will do. I'm reading from the NIV today. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, talking of Ezekiel. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise of rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slains that they may live. So I prophesied as he, was, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord." Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that your word is spirit and it is life. We pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us today through your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. So I just, I just want to look a bit back at the history of the Israelites. The Israelites 
were God's people. They were taken captive when they were in Egypt. They spent over a hundred years in captivity in Egypt. And then God in his sovereignty led led them out into the promised land. It took some time. 40 long years to get from Egypt to the promised land. But he taught them on the way, and he led them every step, and God led them eventually to the promised land. He gave them a land, he gave them a king, and he made them a nation. God was good to his people. But what did his people do? What did they do? They rebelled against him. They turned away from him. They began to serve other gods. Wow. We can't understand that sometimes in our our nation about serving gods, other gods. But I do know here in America, we do have gods. They may not look like shrines. They may not look like idols. But we do have gods that we can serve other than the Lord God. You know, anything that comes before the Lord God is an idol. Anything that comes before God as a Christian is an idol. We need to examine our hearts. But they were led to the promised land. They rebelled. And what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army once again took God's people captive. He took many of them captive, and Ezekiel was a part of that. So they were in captivity. And here we find ourselves in Ezekiel chapter 1, 37 verse 1. This is the story of the valley of the dry bones. This is where they were once again in captivity. And Ezekiel, God's servant, Ezekiel was known as a watchman. He was a prophet, but he started off as a priest. He was a priest. He was a minister. He was called to God's people. He was called to be a spokesman. He was called to be a watchman for the house of Israel. He was a prophet. He was one of the four major prophets, included with Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel. Ezekiel was a prophet. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it says that he had, he, he had visions. He was 30 years of age, but he began to have visions. God called him and spoke to him, and he gave him visions. On, in verse 28 of Ezekiel chapter 1, after a vision that was really crazy, if you haven't read Ezekiel, you need to read Ezekiel. It's a mind-boggling what God showed him. But in, at the end of, verse, of chapter 1, verse 28, Ezekiel fell down as dead. He just fell on his face before God because he had an encounter with the true living God. He encountered God. He encountered his presence. He, I'm sure he cried out, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God had a relationship with Ezekiel. Ezekiel communed with the Father. And if we commune with the Father and we have a relationship with God, God can use us. Amen? He can use us. And God was about to use Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 2, it says of Ezekiel that he was called to the nation of Israel. He was called to reach his people. He he said, God told him, I'm not calling you to to another nation of unknown language. No, I'm calling you to your people. I'm calling you to a rebellious house. I'm calling you to those who are my people and don't 
fear them, Ezekiel. Don't be afraid of them because stand up because you're going to be my spokesman. Wow. That's not an easy calling. That's a difficult calling. You know, you're not going to be well-liked. You're not going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to vote for you maybe. But I do know in times when God does use you, sometimes the people that don't like you when you speak the truth, they're the ones that come to you when they're in time of need. Amen? I'm sure Ezekiel experienced that as well when they needed a word from the Lord. But here we find Ezekiel. And he has another vision. God gives him a vision. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel. And he took him and he placed him down in a valley of dead bones. Wow. Can you imagine that? He sees himself in this vast valley of dead bones. Dead, dry bones. They had been there a long time. They were strewn all across the valley. Can you imagine being set down in this valley of dry, dead bones? He was ankle deep in bones. He was face to face with death. That's what he saw in the vision. And what does the Lord say to him? Ezekiel, can these bones live? Wow. I'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? This is dead. This is dry. There's no hope here. But God poses the question, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I'm sure Ezekiel, because he had such a, an encounter and a relationship and he encountered his presence, he wasn't really probably as surprised as maybe we would be if that happened. Because God showed him many visions God gave him many things, but he replies to the Lord, Lord, you alone know. How about you today? What are you facing today? What is it that you, is your cross to bear? We all have cross to bear because that, with those crosses that we have to bear, we grow stronger from them. We can be weak and we can fall apart and we can walk around like there's no hope, but if we look and we trust in the Lord God Almighty, we can become strong because of the trials we go through. Amen? Can these bones live? Can your bones live? Can the dead things in your life come to life again? Amen? God is a God. Ezekiel said, only you know, God. If you say it, then it can happen because I know you're a supernatural God. You're not just one of those gods that are, these people are worshiping. You're not just a piece of wood. You're a God who created the universe. You're a God who created each and every one of us. You're a God who created your people to worship you. So God, only you alone know. You alone know if these bones can live. And what did God say? He said to Ezekiel, Son of man, prophesy to these bones that they may live again prophesy to these bones. Come on, sometimes we need to prophesy to our situations. We need to speak the word of the Lord. We need to declare and decree what God has told us. What has he spoken to you? What are the things that God has shown you over the years that haven't come to pass? Have you just sat back and let them dissolve away and not went after the things of God? Have you just let it go and say, well, it must not be God's will because look, they're dry. They're dead. There's no life. These are bleached bones. Have you ever heard people say to you, there's no hope. Christians, I'm talking. There's no hope. 
they're dead. Just leave it. Or leave it in God's hands. If it's his will, it'll happen. Well, I know from my own experience, doing that when I've been told to let it go and not let, you know, just leave it alone. And if it's God's will, it'll happen. I know that usually nothing happens. Because God is looking for a people that has relationship with him. God wants a people to commune with him. God wants us to cry out to him. He made us to worship him. Do you know you were created to worship him? We weren't created just to sit there like dead dry bones. No, we were created for the sole purpose of worshiping him. Yes, he uses us in life for many different things. To raise our families, to take care of our spouses, to be in the workplace that we can make a difference. But he also has created us to worship him. Worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So can these bones live? So prophesy to these dead dry bones. We need to prophesy. We need to speak to those things. So Ezekiel does as the Lord said. He prophesied to the bones. And what happens? The word of God tells us that skin became, first of all, the, the bones came together. They came together. Can you imagine all the bones strewn across the valley? And they come together as a skeleton. They come together as a skeleton. Let me pose this question to you today. What would you do if you're driving along and you come down the freeway and, or down the back street maybe or down your road, down your street, and you see someone laying on the side of the road that was hit by a car? You see him there. Are you going to just drive by even though he might not look like he's alive? No, you're going to get out of your vehicle, and you're going to give him CPR. You're going to give him mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. You're going to call for medical help. Because why? Because there's still hope that he could live, right? But if you come upon the scene of just a skeleton, what would you do? I don't know about you, but I'd run. I wouldn't stay there. I'd be like, woo, even if you see a skeleton of a dog, I'm like, ooh, I'm out of here. No. We would stay there and we would help them. But when we, we look at things and we see, you know, things are dead, it's just a skeleton. So it comes together and it's a skeleton. The bones come together and the next thing you know, there's flesh. There's tendons. They look like human beings. They look like they're corpses because they're laying there lifeless. But now instead of just bones, God's done a mighty miracle. And he showed Ezekiel, no, this can happen. You can speak the word and God can do something in your life, in your situation. Sometimes I find in my own life, we, we cry out to God for certain things to happen and we see things begin to happen, but then it still looks like there's not that full breakthrough. You don't get that full breakthrough, the full deliverance you're hoping for, although you see God's hand moving. And so sometimes we just cool off again. We back off. We say, well, must not be, must not going to happen. We'll just, you know, if it's meant to be, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. No, we have to pray until we see the full deliverance of the Lord. We can't just start, stop when we begin to see something happen. We can't cool off. It's time to press in to receive that what God has spoken to you. So many of us, we all have a destiny. I believe that. We all have a destiny from God to do something, to fulfill something. We're not all going to be up here preaching. We're not all going to be out on the 
street handing out tracts, but God wants you to use your life for something. And we need to find out what that destiny is and begin to line up with the word of God and let him use us like he wants to use us. Because one day we will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we will give account of our life. What did we do? What did we do with our life? Did we let our bones dry up? Did we look like those corpses just laying there lifeless? Or did we rise up and we take up the cross that the Lord God has called us to carry and follow him? That's what we are called to do. So Ezekiel, he, see these, he sees these bones lying there. They've come together now. They look like human beings. But what does the Holy Spirit, what does God say? He said, prophesy, son of man, breath into these human beings, into these bodies. Prophesy breath from the four winds of the earth, from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. The Holy Spirit wind will come in and bring these bones, these bodies to life again. God said, when you see it, you will know that I am the Lord. Amen. When you see your answers to your prayer that you've been praying for, that have looked so dead, that have looked impossible, when you see God move, you cannot deny that God has done something. God is so merciful and loving. He wants to revive his people again. He wants to bring forth life into our dry bones. Yes, I know, we go through difficult things in life. Some things just seem like they're so impossible. Some things are so hard. Many have suffered loss. Maybe you've lost a spouse. Maybe you've lost a business. Maybe you've lost, your children aren't serving God. Maybe there's something that God has called you to do and you thought you were going to do it. But now you're here and you say, but what happened? What happened? It looks dead. But God wants to bring revival again, people. He is God of life. He is the Zoe life. He is life. He doesn't want us to be laying there in our graves. I want to share a testimony with you today, a personal testimony. I've had to walk through things in my life. Glenn and I have walked through so many things, and it's just seemed like it's been one thing after another. But, you know, we have kept our, our mind and our heart set on him. And that is what has carried us through. It hasn't been easy, but we still can say, you are the king of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You give and you take away. God sometimes allows things to come into our life that are so hard, but we can still rise up, church, and say he's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's worthy. Can you praise him today? Amen. Let's give him praise. He's so worthy. Amen. Yeah, it's not, it's not a sin to get loud. Amen. We get loud at ball games. We get loud when we go to sports. We get loud about things that stir us up. Um, come on, we can get loud about Jesus today. Amen. God is good. So Glenn and I have three children. And I want to share a testimony today about our youngest son. Tyler is 22 years old now. But at the age of 15, Tyler decided that he was going to start taking a walk on the wild side. That's what I say. 
He decided that he was going to step out. He wasn't wanting to uh, follow the Lord, even though we raised him in church. I'm a Christian. I, I never was, I was a Christian when I was 19. Wasn't raised in a Christian home. Glenn's mother introduced me to the Lord. She prayed for me, and that's why I'm here today. I believe in the prayers of people and parents praying for their children. It's so important. We have to pray for our kids and begin now when they're young. If you have young children, pray for them now. Be diligent because the enemy is out to devour them and to snatch them away. And, and to, let's be honest, the days we live in today are so much worse than when I was a kid. There's so much out there to distract them. We've got to cover our kids in prayer. So Tyler was 15 and he started to do uh, really badly in school. He started to rebel. He started to skip school. He started to hang out with friends that weren't very good influence, although our son is, wasn't a very good influence himself. He, wanted, he liked that uh, rebellious side. So he started, you know, we were like praying, like, what's going on? It's not what I expected. You know, becoming a mother, uh, relatively not a Christian for a long time, and thinking, well, my kids are just all going to serve the Lord. Wow. How many know that can be a novel idea? You know, you just expect things. You think your kids are going to do certain things. You think that they're going to go. They're going to always serve God. But God has given them a free will. He's given them a choice. Doesn't mean we don't pray for them. But he's given us a choice. So one day, Tyler turned 16. We were out, Glenn and I, shopping and came home. And he wasn't home. I'm like, where is he? I went in his room, and I noticed all his clothes were gone. He packed his bags and left. 16 years old. And I, he started to delve into drugs, alcohol. And, yeah, I was a little concerned. Began to really cry out to the Lord. He blocked us on the phone. He blocked us on social media. I eventually found out where he was through an unknown source, and I come to find out he was in a place that wasn't very good. He could access drugs. He could access alcohol. He could live this wild life that he was wanting to live. Well, it really shocked me, really. It wasn't what I expected, but one thing I knew, and I knew how to do, was to pray. And so I began to really intercede for our son. Tyler had had many encounters with God. Even at age 12, God had given him a vision. And there was no denying that it was God. God had his hand on him, but the enemy wanted to take him out. And from the age 15 to the age 21, Tyler, um, he delved in drugs he was backslidden off and on. He'd come back and forth, back and forth. So we were living in Florida one day. We were doing ministry. God was doing something um, through us in ministry. And one day we just finished a Bible study, and I got a phone call. Mom, you got to come. I think I'm going to die. And I'm like, whoa, where are you? And he told us where he was, and he said, I think I took too much. I took way too much, and I'm, I'm not going to make it. Please come. So, of course, we get in the car, and we, we go, and we meet him. We put him in the back seat of the car. My husband calls uh, 911. Tyler, this is Tyler, when he wasn't doing so well. Um, 
So we put him in the car, and we were praying, waiting for the ambulance. And he's like, Mom, I'm going to die. I said, no, Tyler, you're going to live. I spoke the word of the Lord. I prophesied what God had told me. I said, no, son, you're going to live. He said, Mom, I'm going to die. I said, no, son, you're going to live. When the ambulance arrived, they started working on him, and we're hooking him up to oxygen and so on. And I, kept, I was praying in tongues. I was praying in the spirit. I believed God gave me a son for a reason and that he had a call in his life, and I wasn't going to let him go. I wasn't going to just say, oh, it's dead. It's dry. No, I had to fight for what God had for him. I had to fight. Sometimes they don't know how to fight, but we have to fight for them. We have to fight for our situations that we are going through. So we ended up going to the hospital. Our whole Bible study ended up meeting us in emergency, and we stood there in the lobby, and we joined hands in prayer, and we prayed life into our son. It didn't look good in the natural. I went with him in the ambulance, and he kept yelling from the back of the ambulance, Mom, I'm going to die. I said, No, son, you're not going to die. You are going to live. I don't know what they thought. I didn't care what they thought. I just knew that God was communing with me, and I was speaking the word of the Lord that he gave to me. We got about an hour later. I was called up to his room, and he said to me, Mom, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. And they let him go about 20 minutes later. He was gone. He was, he was out. God spared his life. I saw God do that many times. There was times I'd say to him, no, don't go out. I just don't feel good about it. It was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, saying, warn him, don't go out. Something's going to happen. And so, of course, he went out, but I began to pray and intercede. Then I get a phone call. Mom, my car's in the ditch. I could have been killed. I just missed the pole. But I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, you know, it's not easy interceding for your loved ones that are lost. It's not inter easy interceding for the promises that God has given to you, but we have to stand up and fight. Amen? We have to stand up and fight. So just before we went to Australia, we, were in, we lived in Australia for four years, for those of you who don't know, before we came here to Texas. We pastored there. So we were getting ready to go to Florida, uh, to Australia, and Glenn and I would have many conversations because Tyler didn't live with us at the time. He was still in what I call the drug house, taking meth, you know, never know. When I saw him, this is when he first came to Australia. He was so skinny, and he was coming off of so many things. But he said to me, uh, Lynn, I don't think we can bring him. And in the natural, we said, no, I don't think so. How are we going to do ministry? How are we going to go and grow a church and lead a church and have to deal with this all the time? I mean, it wasn't like I was giving up. We just thought, we'll just keep praying for him and see what God does. But inside my heart as a mother, I honestly felt that if we left him there in Canada, because that's where he was staying, that he would die. I just had that sense that he wasn't going to make it if we left him there. But in the natural, just didn't look good, so we just said, no, not going to bring him. We can't bring him. So before we came to Australia, before we went to Australia, Glenn and I went on a fast, and we did a three-day fast. So we were really praying, asking God for direction for this new beginning in our life. You know, God, just give us blessing and bless us as we go. On the third night, we went to sleep, still hadn't eaten, and I had a dream. 
And in the dream, I saw a bicycle. It was a, one of those old school bicycles with the basket on the front, the big reflectors, and it was a teal green color, bright green. Kind you would, I, what, in my mind, you'd see them in Florida a lot. And as I saw this bike, there was a man, and he was packing up this bicycle to ship. But I looked at the bike, and the bike was broken. And I said, what are you doing? What happened to the bike? And he just looked at me, didn't say a word, and he just said, like, it's going to be okay, don't worry. He didn't say anything. He just, and he kept packing up the bike. And I said, no, no, no. What are you doing? What happened to the bike? I don't know what happened. Look, at it's all broken. It wasn't broken. It's broken. And he just kept packing up the bike. And then finally I said, no, I'm not taking the bike. I don't want to pay for a broken bike to be shipped all the way to Australia. And he said, don't worry about it. When you get it there, it's going to be okay. You can get it fixed. And I said, okay. And I woke up and I was like, what the happened? What does that mean? I fell back to sleep. It was 3 in the morning. Fell back to sleep. And I had another dream. But all I heard in my, I just heard a voice in my dream. And it said, the bicycle represents Tyler. And he's going to go with you. And when he gets there, he's going to get all fixed up. I went, whoa, isn't that crazy? I'm like, wow. So I shared it with Glenn, and he's like, well, I guess he's going to come. But you know, he didn't even want to come. He wanted to still continue to party. He didn't want to just surrender all. And he knew if he came, he's going to have to get it together. He's going to have to change some things, and he wasn't ready to do that. So we went in October. Tyler came February. This is the day he came. To Australia. We took him to the beach. He was strung out, could barely do the plane ride, but that was our son then. And I thought, well, at least he wants to get, together, get it together. We didn't even let him live with us at that time. He stayed with a pastor friend of ours in Australia because we just felt like we couldn't handle it, and we felt like he needed the discipline of someone else instead of us. So he lived with them for a while, was on the worship team. He, he had a heart for God. Don't get me wrong. He did love God. He did want free. But he had addictions, and he had strongholds in his life that needed broken. After about a year, Tyler asked if he could move back home with us. And I think the pastor was getting ready for him to leave as well. So I didn't really want him to, but he did. And he came back home, and then things started to happen again. I have to tell you, they were the worst three years of my life, of our life. It was the most trying, difficult time. There was many times I lay awake, crying out to God, believing that God was going to raise my son back to life. Because internally, he was dead. He was lost. He was dying. I knew he was dying. Literally, physically, he was dying. Emotionally and spiritually, he was dying. He was depressed. He was suicidal. I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd wake up like, oh, go check on him. And I'd knock on his door, and I'd say, son, are you okay? And he wouldn't answer, son, are you okay? Yes, mom, I'm okay. There's many times he came and sat with me and cried and wept. I don't know why I do the things I do. I don't want to do these things, but I just keep doing them. I'm so sorry for what I've put you through. 
And then he would have a, a shift and he would do well and he'd attend church and he'd be a part of the worship team. But then, next thing you know, he'd, he'd fall back into it again. He had a stronghold in his life that needed broken. And I just began to keep praying. I don't know how I did it. When I look at it now and I think about what we went through, it had to be God Almighty and his presence that kept me going, that kept Glenn going. Because every Sunday we were at church, we had a school of ministry. We had connect groups. We had midweek service. We had evening services. And, and we were going home to this all the time. It was crazy. So Tyler just kept doing this and doing this and falling back, doing well. He'd get on fire for God. Next thing you know, I'd come home and, where's my TV gone? Oh, where's my handbags gone? He began to sell things in the home. He began to take things and I, I don't know where they gone. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Yeah. So this is what we were dealing with. But, and so there was many times we'd say, okay, you need to go into rehab you got to go into rehab. You need to get help. And then he'd have just this encounter with God and things seemed okay. It would always get to that point. But a year ago, uh, it will be this August, Tyler was in our home and high as a kite. Glenn was gone away. I was home and he, you could just see that he was not in a good place. He was totally out of it. He wasn't comprehending anything, and he was angry. And, you know, it's not good to provoke anybody like that. And so, you know, I was just like, oh, now. I just felt like always I had to just button my mouth because I was afraid of what would happen. But I was praying. He was in the TV room. I was in my bedroom, and I was interceding. And I just felt like the Lord said, no, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And I began to rebuke the enemy and I said, no, enough is enough. This has got to change. This has got to shift. I can't do this anymore. And I just rebuked the enemy and I said, no, enough is enough. He came into my room shortly after and he sat down on my bed and he began to weep. And he said, mom, I don't know why I do the things I do. I said, I don't know either, but son, enough is enough. This is it. No matter what, this is it. You got to get help. You got to do something, but you can't stay in our home anymore. I had to take authority over what the enemy was doing. I had to stand up. I had to stand my ground and declare the word of the Lord. I said, no, you're going to be free. You're going to set, be set free. You're going to be delivered. But I, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It was a hard thing. And I was by myself, but I had God by my side. He was there with me through it all. And I said to him, okay, these are your options. You can go into drug rehab. We had an awesome drug rehab, a Christian one right in our city. They saw the great results there. You can go into drug rehab. We had a pastor friend in the Philippines who was praying for Tyler, who knew what he was going through. I said, or you can go with Pastor Ruby, and you can live with her, and she's going to help you to walk out this journey. Tyler had been to the Philippines. He'd went on several mission trips between this and where he is now. He would, that's what I'm saying, he had a heart for God. He'd go to Bali. He'd go to the Philippines. He loved it. He came home on fire for God, said, I'm okay now. I know I'm free. And the next thing you know. So I said, no, you got to change your environment. So either you do that. You go to rehab, you go to Pastor Ruby's in the Philippines, 
or you go back to Canada and you figure it out yourself because you're on your own no matter what. And he said, Mom, okay, I'm not going to rehab. He did not want to go to rehab. He really felt that it wasn't going to help him. I don't want to go back to Canada because I know if I go back to Canada, I'm not going to do well there. I'll go to Pastor Ruby's. I was like, wow, really? Because he knew he was going to have to live in her home, which doesn't have the conveniences of our homes. They didn't have a shower. They had a bucket. They didn't have air conditioning. They lived poor. They ate rice and salt fish and chicken. Not that much, though. Not like we did, but he said, I'll go there. He knew what it was like. I'll go there, he said, but I have to just say, I can't promise you anything. I'm not going to make any more promises. I've made too many promises, but I'll try. Tyler went to the Philippines. Can you show the picture of him with the banner? So this is the day he arrived in the Philippines. He's obviously the white guy in the middle. And Pastor Ruby, her husband and sister and another leader of the church, welcomed him. Now it says, welcome home, Mr. Swabe. Now that's a, a Filipino term for handsome. She met him uh, at our home when she visited Australia. Pastor Ruby's the one holding the banner. And um, she called him Mr. Swabe because she thought he was so handsome. And when he went over to the Philippines, all the girls liked him. So that's where he got that name from. So they welcomed him there. He was overwhelmed by the welcome that he got. Went, and he wasn't doing well. He was still coming down off of a lot of stuff, and he had to cold turkey. So here he is in their home, and this was like a Thursday. He went to church with them on a Sunday morning. One of the churches starts at 7.30 a.m., so here he is at church this little tiny building packed with people, inside and outside. And there was an evangelist there speaking from Africa. And he was speaking, and Tyler told his dad later, Dad, this guy would not, not look at me. All he did was stare me down. He just looked at me the whole time he preached. And he said, I just kept turning my head. I don't want to look at him because I'm afraid he's going to give me a word. Tyler knew what the prophetic was. Tyler experienced God. He said, I'm not looking at him. I don't want to see him. But he kept turning his head, but the guy kept preaching, and he kept strong, and he just kept focused in on Tyler. After the service, he said to Tyler, I'd love to meet with you. Can you meet me for coffee this week? And Tyler said, yeah, okay. So Tyler met him in his home, went to his home, had coffee with him, and Tyler said there was no preliminaries. He walked in, and this evangelist said to him, I want to tell you a story about a young man I know. And Tyler said, okay. And then Tyler said, he proceeded to tell me my whole life story from when I started to rebel until where I am now. He told me who I was involved with in a relationship. And he told me the things I was doing. He told me what the girl looked like. He described her. He said, she's got tattoos all on her arm. She's got long, dark hair. There's no way. He would have known that, and Tyler was like, whoa, this is way too much. Tyler fell down on his face. He prayed for him, and Tyler was totally set free that day. He was totally delivered. He didn't really know what happened. He was like kind of like in a whirlwind. He went back to the house, and Pastor Ruby told me he went upstairs in his room. We bought him a window air conditioner, so he put his air conditioning on, went in his own room, and and um, sat there, 
and was just kind of thinking about everything that happened, trying to figure out what happened. So Pastor Ruby thought, I better just check on him. So she went upstairs, knocked on his door, and said, Tyler, are you okay? He opens the door, and he goes, yeah, I'm okay. And she goes, what? Look at you. You look so different. And he goes, what are you talking about? She goes, Tyler, you got light in your eyes. Your eyes look blue. They were so dark. Now they look so blue. I never knew you had blue eyes. He said, what? You're crazy. I feel good. But then he said, but then they have like 10 people living in the house. So Pastor Ruby's like, come on, everybody, come see Tyler. So they all run upstairs, and they're like, whoa, dude, you look different. You look different. You got light in your face. He goes, whoa, really? She's, and Pastor Ruby says, you got to call your parents. Call your parents right now. So he called us on FaceTime, and my husband, first thing he says is, whoa, you look different. And he goes, what? So from then on, Tyler, you know, he was totally delivered. He was set free from the enemy's snare. And it wasn't an easy process. But I'm telling you, we have to fight for those things that are dead. Can you show the next slide, please? So here's Tyler now, School of Ministry in Singapore. He's been there for eight months. He was sharing with his, uh, his one team that he, he, he is involved in. He was preaching that day. Next slide, please. Again, sharing his testimony that day at the School of Ministry. God is amazing. God is going to take what the enemy has stolen and use it for good if we will stand firm and see what God has done. We have to rise up, church. We have to rise up above our situations, above our circumstances, and say these bones are going to live. They are going to live. And the last photo, this is him just like two weeks ago. He was rebaptized. He said, I need to get baptized again. So God is amazing. God is so good. I'm so glad. You know, the people of Israel, they were, they were lamenting at the end. When, they, you know, when Ezekiel saw the vision, saw him come back to life, they had breath in them. They had the Holy Spirit breathe the wind of God in these dry bones. And God said, I'm going to take you now, and I'm going to bring you back to your own land, and I'm going to prosper you. But the people of Israel said, they were lamenting, we have no hope. We've lost all hope. There's nothing we can do. We are dead. We are dry. We have no hope. But God said, no, I'm going to bring life into your situation today. He wants to bring life, and he wants to give you hope today. There is hope no matter what. I know, like I said before, yes, we lose things in life. Things happen that are terrible. But the things that God has promised us, we have to stand up, and we have to fight for them. What if I listen to my friends that told me, don't pray for him. He's in God's hands. You dedicated him to the Lord. It's going to be okay. What if I did that? He would have been dead. I really believe that. He wouldn't have been alive. But I had to go into my prayer closet. I had to decree, decree and declare the prophetic word the Lord God gave me. Now he says to me, yeah, Mom, yeah, I know I'm called to ministry. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm praying. I said, so what are you going to do when you're done? I don't know. I'm waiting for that open door. I'm expecting God to open up a door. He said, I want to go to Africa. I want to go to different countries and do crusades. I want to see a lot of people come to the Lord. 
Amen? So God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or imagine. But we can't walk around in lament, in sorrow. It's time to shake it off. It's time to go back to our prayer closet. It's time to get the joy of the Lord. We can't walk around sour. We can't walk around saying, but you don't know what I've been through. I don't know what you've been through. I know what I've been through, and I know what God's taken me through, and I still have some mountains to climb. I still have some things I need to see come to life. I know I do. You know, we had three children, and each and every one of them walked away from the Lord. I never expected that. I didn't. I never thought. I thought they'd all serve God, and we'd all do ministry together. Our daughter had a baby when she was 18. Came home one day and said, Mom, I'm pregnant. I'm like, whoa. In my mind, I, di I didn't say anything verbally. In my mind, I just prayed. Okay. We got through that. We have an awesome granddaughter. God's good. She's now in, uh, went through school of ministry herself. God is amazing. God will do it if we stand firm. Our 32-year-old our is not serving God. But am I giving up? No, I'm not giving up because I have a promise from God. He's going to serve the Lord. And if it's my destiny to pray my children into heaven, if that's all I'm called to do, then I'm going to do it. Come on, stand to your feet as the worship team comes and leads us in a song today. Come on, I want to encourage you today. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you've been through. God wants to cause the winds, the breath of four winds, the north, the south, the east, and the west, to come and bring life upon you today. To bring life into those dead circumstances, those dead situations. God wants to heal our bodies. Come on, we give up. We just give up so easily. God said, I am a God who heals thee. He's a God who created you in your mother's womb. Can he not heal you? But we don't press in. We have to believe for the things that God has promised. We have to. Thank you, Father. Let's just bow our head. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, for the thus saith the Lord. I thank you, God, that you can bring back to life those things that are dead that nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult, Father. You can, Father, put us in a place where we can be where you want us to be. If it's an open door you need, pray for an open door. If it's your children that you're crying out for, don't let up. Just keep believing God will, you, will bring them to the place where they will surrender all. I pray God just make him miserable in everything he did. And he said to me one day, Mom, I'm so miserable. Every time I think I'm going to have a good time, something happens. I said, that's because I'm praying. And so now he knows why. Come on, God is wanting to do something. He wants to resurrect those dead things in your life. He doesn't want to just put it back together like a skeleton. He wants to breathe life into your dead, dying situations. Will you believe him today? Will you believe him today? Will you stand strong and believe the word of the Lord? I'm going to believe the word of the Lord. How about you today?